and welcome to the Unmistakably Magic Podcast. I am your host, Court, and this week, I figured we'd jump back to the edge. To Galaxy's Edge, that is. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, to be even more specific. I brought Tyler on onto the podcast once more. I think his last visit was at least two years ago, um, but we thought that it would be fun to go back to our episode from, gosh, when they first announced Galaxy's Edge, so what was that, about four years ago, three years ago, something like that, and just talk about what we got right, what we got wrong, you know, some things that we enjoy. We have both been able to visit Galaxy's Edge. Uh, we actually visited together, so we just figured we'd, we'd talk about that a little bit. Uh, let's jump right in. This week, I am joined by Tyler. Tyler, thank you for coming on the podcast this week. Hello there. Anytime. So, Tyler, you are a huge, huge uh, Star Wars fan. We had you on the podcast a couple of years ago, actually. Uh, back in, what was that, like episode six? You know, it's when the, what is that? Is that when the Jedi Returns? Episode six, the last Jedi. What is it? No. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it's Return, Return of the Jedi. Of the Je- it's when yeah. the Jedi returns. Um, sure. <laughs> you are the resident Star Wars fanatic. So, do you want to give a little bit of a, a background as to where your fandom started, kind of your experiences, just a little brief brief history for the listeners? Sure. Well, the. My fandom started with our uncle who grew up a big Star Wars fan and he, my earliest memories were of uh, his room at our grandpa's house in Nebraska, Star Wars wallpaper that I think is still there to this day, even though no one in the family still owns the house. Um, And then he moved to Japan Uh, not long after college and one of his visits back that we happened to be in Nebraska he brought some Star Wars toys that he gave to us and showed us his original Star Wars toy collection Um, and kind of from there he helped foster that fandom in various ways Um, and then from there really Phantom Menace came out when I was 10, so it's kind of a prime age for building Star Wars fandom, uh, much like those OT fan fans that were of that age. And it's, uh, and, it's very formative. And by OT, you mean original trilogy. This yes. is a theme park podcast, not a Star Wars podcast. Got to keep that in mind. <laughs> yes, original trilogy. Um, and then... Oh, what is it? It's probably almost six years now, four or five years at least. Um, started a Star Wars podcast uh, named not so dissimilarly from this one. 
at uh, right around when we launched right around the time of The Force Awakens. Um, I have since not been a part of that for uh, two plus years now, two or three. But you were but, you were an original founder of that podcast, yeah, and, and, and he- heavily involved for quite some time. Um, so, yes, that that's really was I think I would call the peak of my fandom. <laughs> it, it has since uh, recessed some, but well, um, you've you've had some things in life happen that kind of don't give you as much time or as much financial freedom, let's say to. Do to experience the fandom in the way that you would like to experience it at its quote-unquote peak right now. Yes. So, yeah, all all of those things. Um, just trying to bring up an, another the next generation of fans <laughs> is really what my time and finances are spent on now. And you know, you're doing a great job of that. I think you're you're really succeeding in that area. <laughs> doing my best. So. One question for you before we, we kind of kick this off. Um, why do you love Star Wars? Like, what about it makes it so special to you? Like, why why do you enjoy it so much? I think in part it's... It, it... There's a when you're young that it's totally something that you could experience. It, it's easy to put yourself in that world. And I think then this the storytelling for the most part on that and the work that you can't help but um, just kind of go along for the ride. I think the the Mandalorian most recently has really brought back a lot of those feels. Um, I, I I think the latest trilogy of movies has been hit or miss for me but I, I think the Mandalorian really felt like man this this is what I kind of remember growing up not that it's it was necessarily the same but it put me in the same mindset of um, like I could I can envision myself in this world there's enough sort of realism in it that helps me to eliminate my um, or dive into my suspension of disbelief a little bit so that I, I think that's really what what brings it to a head for me is it's something that feels like I could be a part of it all right yeah that's that's totally fair and that's totally awesome and it's totally I'm sure so many people feel the, a very similar way and you know that really relates to episode that I did a little a couple episodes back as to why theme parks are are so beloved by so many and so there's there's that similar connection um right there uh so when we last had you on the show we had talked about star wars galaxy's edge and it had just been announced and we made a couple of predictions um do you remember those predictions at all kind of what we made what we didn't make what we got right what we got wrong anything from that episode that was what, like three years ago now? I, I can remember I was wearing my R2-D2 t-shirt <laughs> that I was wearing this morning. That's all I can remember, really. So you're, you'll have to refresh my stuff. memory. Yeah. Well, so let's take a trip down memory lane. And for those long, long-time listeners, let's 
let's kind of have that kind of fun time again and let's go through like what we got right and i think the first thing the biggest thing that we got right was the digital alongside the realism in attractions so you look at like because let's preface this as well with you you and i have been to galaxy's edge we went together actually not too long ago and i have been since then right before kind of this whole quarantine, the park closure stuff happened and was able to experience Rise of the Resistance. And you have not experienced that yet. Um, but we were able to, to pilot the Millennium Falcon several times to, to fly that thing and have fun on that ride several times. And one thing that we predicted way back when they first announced it and gave us very few details was that you'd be able to have digital attractions and real attractions. And so I think the Millennium Falcon kind of falls into that digital realm. Um, but do you think that it does a good job of mixing that that digitalness into the real or with the real? And um, do you think it allows for that world building and, and does it give you that sense of actually feeling like you're in the world? I think it does. Um, I, I don't think that's that the final results is really what I was anticipating when especially thinking Disney um, or it's I guess it's much more similar to a um, Star Tours type ride than uh, a dark ride which I think is a little bit more of what I was envisioning initially but I think if you're if Specifically with the Falcon, or was it just a dark ride in general in the land? Uh, with the Falcon. Okay, because if you recall, in the in the press release, it did say that you're going to be able to fly the Falcon. And we had mentioned several times that you would be able to do, like, it, it's kind of going to be a little bit of Star Tours mixed with what we had thought was VR, which is something that we got very, very wrong. <laughs> At this point. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's kind of... It's kind of VR. I, I think the the realism comes in. It it, it feels. I mean, it, it still feels like a ride, and depending on where you're at in the cockpit, feels kind of rote, where you're just doing one specific thing, not really interacting in a way that I think you would if you were actually flying the Millennium Falcon. But I think if you're in in there with the right people that are really excited and into it regardless of where they're sitting in the cockpit um it totally brings you into the story overall um and i i, I think when we were there together we wrote it three times two or three times at least we did at least and three I, times yeah I, I remember at least at one or two of the times it was really immersive because everyone in there was really into it and then there was one time where we had a couple of randos and they were just kind of like okay like, cool didn't quite understand what to do or like how everything really worked well, I think yeah and I mean, it was just getting yourself hyped up and it's if you if you lean true. into the the storytelling and the the hype of the ride it feels a lot different than if you're just kind of there and well, I'm the gunner. I'm just going to poke this button as fast as I can. <laughs> That's okay. true. Um, we also predicted that the Falcon attraction would be flying on a track, which it more or less is. It's a virtual track, and we got that right. Um, 
And then for Rise of the Resistance, which again, you haven't quite experienced yet, or you haven't had the opportunity to experience yet. Um, we said that that was a similar ride system to Transformers or Spider-Man over at Universal, which it, it totally is. Trackless system has kind of everything that you would expect from that kind of a ride where it, it blends in the digital with the real, although I think it does a much better job of that. Um, we also predicted that there's different flights on the Falcon and we've technically gotten that right. However, we haven't had the opportunity to experience that yet because they haven't released um, the other two missions on the Falcon. Um, what other missions would you like to see on the Falcon? Um, it might be kind of, uh, I don't know, I, because they're labeling it the whole land as canon, it's probably only going to be stuff in this latest trilogy. I would have loved to see opportunities to kind of go through each phase of Star Wars or each sort of storyline. Um, that'd be kind of cool. Fly around um, the asteroids from Empire Strikes Back and avoid the space worm. Um, stuff like like th things. I, I'm just trying to think of things that are are challenging from a flight standpoint. Um, yeah. Like the, the final battle in Return of the Jedi. Um, would you like to? Would you like to have a battle um, on Exegol? Would you like to participate in that battle from a Falcon's point of view? It was the lamest battle. <laughs> I. Yeah. Or this is this is a, a conversation for another time, but. <laughs> uh, Rise of Skywalker. I have some qualms okay about. okay um, so stay away from anything rise of skywalker not, related not necessarily, nine related. <laughs> not necessarily anything but i mean yes that's a logical event to point towards um or just something completely different which is really what this um what the current ride is it's not tied directly to a piece of one of the movies it's got it's got hints towards solo oh, yeah but, and but that's well, a little I, bit of like clone yeah. wars and you got characters from several different aspects of the star wars universe and things oh, yeah. that we've it's, seen in specific movies but not others and it's, it's it's a part of the story but it's not mimicking the story okay so yeah. it's it's kind of like star tours where you go and you, you, you're kind of a side character almost, or yeah. you visit a place that's familiar, but you're not interacting with it in, say, the exact same way that the main characters of the films are. So I would imagine they'd go more of that direction. So if I'm thinking even in that, kind of some of the worlds, like that, that opening world from um, Rise of Skywalker, the ice planet. Um, Giant iceberg. Yeah, like that was cool. That'd be kind of cool to see uh, fly through the the caves in there, pick up a message or something, or drop something off and go. Um, trying to think, Last Jedi. I mean, there's not do a battle on crate. Yeah, kind of. I mean that's that's kind of the go-to, but there's not because of how that whole film is framed, which so that. 
another interesting idea would maybe be to pull something from some of the ancillary materials, but I go back and forth on that because I felt like a lot of what you had to know to really understand from the Rise of Skywalker, you had to read a bunch of books and comics and stuff to just like understand what was going on instead of just like, oh, okay, I guess this is happening. Yeah. So I, I go back and forth on a little bit. I, I want it to be familiar but new, which is really what the whole land is. Kind of is. That's fair. Um, we also predicted that the Falcon is like a controllable Star Tours, which you kind of already talked about. Uh, you specifically had said that you wanted to see a lot of lightsabers. And while you don't see any lightsabers on the Falcon, um, there are some lightsabers on Rise of the Resistance. And you can create your own lightsaber and build your own lightsaber or go purchase legacy lightsabers. Um, and you see guests walking around with lightsabers pretty much everywhere throughout the land. Do you think that there's enough lightsabers in there for you? I think so. Uh, I don't remember the head verbatim, but um, I, I think that's the the ubiquity of them is is good. I think there's there's the right amount in terms of the rides. There's the right amount as far as far as accessibility to purchase if you so choose. I haven't seen anybody. Characters running around with them. The character of Ray is running around with a lightsaber at any point. That might be kind of cool to see. I think she has one on her hilt, but I don't know if she ever actually ignites it. Um, so it's part of the character, but not that far. Um, and then we also had predicted highly immersive and predominantly indoor cues, which really came to a fruition. Um, you haven't experienced the Rise of Resistance queue, which I think deserves an episode in and of itself, just how ingenious it is and how the queue truly is part of the attraction. Um, but how did you feel about the Falcon queue? Um, it was okay. I, having, thankfully, we didn't have to stand in it too <laughs> long. Um, the, the stuff you can do with the app and kind of look for things is kind of fun. But once you do that two or three times, it's, unless they're changing it constantly, it, it is what it is. It's not like some of the other queues throughout the park that are truly interactive. Um, but as far as like a, a visual kind of immersive, um, not just visual, but a, a total sensory immersion, level do you think that it's a an immersive cue that sets up the story well do you think it, it puts you in the land and then the reveal into when you actually step onto the falcon is that is that kind of satisfactory as as a big star wars fan i think what would make it better is to be able to somehow walk up the ramp of the falcon that's sitting out there i mean you, you kind of you kind of walk around the falcon that's sitting in the land but you don't really feel like you go into it like you, you walk into your your pod basically yeah and that kind of feels like you're going into it but other than that like they so it's a yes and no answer, I think. I think it's a yes that it, it's immersive enough. It brings you into the land. It, it doesn't take you out of feeling like you're in this Star Wars world. But 
it, does it feel like I'm really walking into the Millennium Falcon to riot drive in the cockpit or ride in the cockpit? Not so much. So I don't know. I would argue that there's one point where you actually truly feel like you're in the Falcon and that's when you walk into the room that has the chess table that has kind of that, the hangout room where, where you can yeah. see like the yeah. little ball that Luke Skywalker trained with uh, and Ray eventually trained with. And then when you walk through the hallways of the Falcon with like the, the yellow or orangish yellowish padding that's around. And then when you're walking off of it, I think you also feel like it's, it's there. I would agree with you if you could somehow walk up the ramp, <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been cool. Um, so you, you don't feel like that kind of does does enough for you to to feel like you're there, to feel like you're in the Falcon. Yeah, I kind of forgot about the the staging room. Um, yes, that that is that is a pretty cool area. Um, yeah, once you're in there, it feels like okay, we're on the Falcon. Let's go. Um, I think the queue prior to that is kind of hit or miss in terms of immersiveness to the Falcon specifically to being around the Falcon is really cool because that that whole model is super detailed um, and and trying to pick out the different aspects of it is fun but I want to walk up and down that ramp it's really (laughs) you want to you want to see the ramp come down and the steam and mist and everything yeah, and then <laughs> yeah that, that oh now we're talking <laughs> um so we also predicted how many shops there are with how how licensed and how um sold star wars memorabilia is um and then the unique food that is unique and different but also real and good uh, and then we also said something that a lot of people said would not happen uh, thanks to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and that was that Coke products are available. So let's talk about the shops, the food. What about, and the Coke products, do you think that they did a good job kind of putting all of that together, putting that in there? Do you think it's otherworldly enough to where it, it, it allows you to even immerse yourself a little bit deeper beyond just a visual and audio aspect? Yeah, I think so. I think the way they they kind of framed out the whole area um, and that the, that run of shops doesn't feel like it's just a storefront, really. But it it is. Yeah, I kind of feel that they they've they've sectioned it off enough, and the theming of stuff that's in each storefront is different enough that it it kind of feels like you're walking through a market or bazaar of some kind. Um, the antiques shop is really cool and all the just other memorabilia that is on the shelves and around and um, that's unique to to galaxy's edge that you can't really get anywhere else and the price tag definitely shows it well yes that but even just the stuff they have on display um, up on the top is is cool to look at and kind of figure out what what all might be there um, I think so from a sh- like a, a, a shopping standpoint it doesn't feel like you walk into the land and it just punches you in the face like here buy all this stuff they they definitely have a lot 
of very expensive things that you don't really need that you could buy. Um, but you also, it, they, they've done it in such a way that it feels natural or more natural than it, it, it would maybe otherwise. Um, I think from a food standpoint, I didn't really have the opportunity to have a ton of food. So I can't speak to that too much. I, I was, I had a frozen blue milk. You had a chilled cookie, blue milk. You didn't have the chilled, frozen one. Chilled, whatever, whatever it was. The one in the cantina. I was, I was disappointed. <laughs> um, I will, so, I will, I will frame my experience there as being pretty sick. Um, so yeah. I was not feeling good most of the day, uh, but couldn't miss the opportunity to go. Uh, at some point, whenever maybe I can again, I'll have to go try it again. But it was not really what I was expecting when it came yeah. to blue milk. Um, a little so, sweeter, a little, little different of a taste. It's, it's kind of like a, a, a fruity cocktail kind of drink versus <laughs> something a little more milky. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Which, to be fair, this last time that I went, um, we we got seated at, at the cantino at a table with several other people and um the people who we were with they had little kids so they got one of every drink that didn't have any alcohol in it and they said that they had tried the blue milk outside and then they got the blue milk inside they said that the blue milk outside definitely tasted way better and way different uh, than the blue milk inside which i found very interesting because huh. i would assume it's the same thing just one's kind of more frozen than the other so apparently that one, that's the the kicker. I guess you gotta you gotta freeze your blue milk before you serve it. Um, and then did you did you like that they how they included Coke products? Does it feel cool? Does it feel unique? Does it feel different? Just with the thermal detonators that they oh, the, made out of the the, re- the redecorated Christmas ornaments. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, theming's kind of cool with that, but. I mean, whether it was Coke or not, I really couldn't care less. I mean, Just as long as it was some kind of beverage in there. Or... Yeah, I guess I that I don't buy that stuff. So <laughs> I walked past it a bunch of times. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it's cool. It, it, if things fit into the theme, I think it always works a lot better than it just being like, well, there's a bottle of pop or Coke, whatever. Yeah. But it is what it is. Um, so at least they tried with some theming. Um, <laughs> that's good. Varying degrees of success in that realm. Um, well, jumping over to what we got wrong, the first one that I put on here, uh, I'm going to save that one for a little later because I think that's awesome and we should talk about that a little bit. Uh, but the second one was different rides on Rise of the Resistance. And while technically you do get different rides because you have the car sitting up front and then you have the car in the back and it's a trackless system. So they go off and they branch out and then they come back together at various parts. The overall experience is essentially the same thing that you're going to get every single time. Um, and then we also made a ton of VR predictions where the Falcon would be VR where you'd have VR helmets pretty much on every attraction that is within the land. Um, we also made a prediction as to what blue milk tastes like and 
you kind of already said that it isn't didn't quite live up to your standard. Um, you had hoped, and RJ had predicted that there would be more than two rides, and originally there were three rides planned for the for the land, um, but we came out to only two two rides, and then we also predicted that the cantina music would be a little different and that it would have a live band. Uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. Do you do you wish that there was a live band in the cantina? You wish that they'd made that a little bit bigger so that there would, was enough room for a live band? Uh, or are you content with DJ Rex? Uh, I think it'd be cool to have a live band of some kind. Um, I don't know, that, that whole experience, I think, really just depends on what you're doing and who you're with in the cantina. That is very um, true. <laughs> our ours was a bit of an adventure from multiple standpoints. So yes, yeah. It. I, I think if you're there with people that you would normally go to like a club with, which is really more of what that atmosphere felt like, than what I was anticipating. Where anytime we've been in a cantina, at least in the films, it's more of like, hey, there's kind of this music in the background and just the rustle of people talking and whatever's going on and you can sit where or stand wherever you're at and have a reasonable conversation where it was it really felt far more like a club atmosphere uh, super loud music yeah which <laughs> i just like if you dj rex okay like loud music whatever um I think if there was a live band, that that tone might feel a little different, or you could change up the tone periodically, depending on the time of day or whatever. That um, it, it kind of changes the ambiance. Whereas I feel like they've kind of pegged themselves in a corner by having a DJ the whole time. That there's a certain there's a certain connotation or expectation with a DJ and the kind of music that's played. That's fair. Um, but I do think that it is a, a fun callback to a little bit of theme park history, a little bit of Star Wars history, some Star Tours history uh, with DJ Rex. I just kind of wish that they, they did the hybrid that we, that we had talked about, we had discussed a little bit where they would have DJ Rex once in a while and then while the live band is on break or something, kind of bring that live band in and kind of change the mood, change the change the vibe a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't um, really care if he was animatronics. It doesn't need to be an actual live band, but like rotate those guys around. Something different yeah. a little bit. Indiana Jones, uh, fireplace, <laughs> flips. Spins around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you had also said that you wish or hoped for an instant biscuit from episode seven, the one that Ray makes in her ATAT. Uh, do you still hope that they bring that in someday? Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd totally buy one of those. I don't know if I'd eat it because who knows what the crap that's made out of, but <laughs> I would at least like to make one. I mean, that is pretty cool. That would be sweet. Uh, and then we also said that the extent of characters slash droids walking around, which, to be fair, there are rumors or 
the murmurs in the street is uh, they will be bringing a lot more characters and they've already brought in R2-D2 throughout the land and that's a free roaming droid. Um, so there's, there's talks about them bringing in different characters and more uh, droids. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the amount of characters walking around is enough? Do you think, do you wish that there were more? Do you think it'd be better if there were more? Do you think it's, it's better if there were less even? Uh, one of the things I really found interesting about the characters that they did have was one it seemed to be the same people the entire time we were there and we were there a long time i was we, shocked we hung out pretty much the whole day in the land so a full 12 hour park opening to park closing same same rebel spy same kylo ren same stormtroopers all that stuff yeah same i don't know Ray. yeah really the people who you could see their faces it was the same people the entire time, which I was just astounded by. But um, I, I think what, what was cool about that, though, is it felt like, for the most part, it was a continued story or the same thing happening. It wasn't like, oh, that they're out there for their 15 minutes and then they go inside and it's just the same thing over and over again, kind of like a broken record, whereas it, it felt a little bit more immersive in that way. And, and as more organic. We were, yeah, as we were, at least some of us were heading out for the day um, with the younglings, there was a little bit more interaction, which was cool, um, between the rebel spy and the, the Imperials, or I guess, are they Imperials? I don't know what First they order. are. First order. But it's, it's the... The last order, <laughs> the final <laughs> order, finer order, whatever. Jeez, <laughs> um, uh, um, you can tell I've only of the of any of the films I've only seen that one once or twice <laughs> instead of <Clearly. laughs> five or six times I would have watched the others in opening weekend. Um, I digress. <laughs> so I, I think that was cool. Um, I think if they keep, regardless of who they end up having in, if they kind of keep up that as far as it's a continual story, it's not like we have this action set that we do every 30 minutes. Um, that I, I think that continues to amp up that immersiveness, which I think is, is one, something they're really trying to do, but two, is something that, that I think, at least to an extent, they're accomplishing already and, and makes it that much more fun relative to other experiences you would have in the park. All right. Do you still want to see a gonk droid walking around? Yeah. That would, yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you don't want just the gonk droid that's stationary right up by, by the droid depot no, or that's... over by Rise of the Resistance entrance? Let's get a move around. <laughs> gonk. gonk. Gonk around the hole. Gonk around town. Around everywhere. Around Batu. And then the last thing, which was really the first thing on this list that we got wrong, uh, was Boba Fett jetpacks. So I guess technically Mandalorian jetpacks. Um, do you think with the Mandalorian being such a hit that it is now that we could possibly see this in the future or some kind of Mandalorian style attraction or even character interaction? I, I think it depends on how they they end up crafting the story around Mandalorians during this time. Um, 
Because, I mean, we're looking... The Mandalorian takes place uh, pretty much directly after Return of the Jedi, doesn't it? Or shortly yeah. after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, right, right around there. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of same time as Rebels... And there, there's a pretty strong Mandalorian contingent. Um, doesn't know, Rebels, Rebel, Rebel, Rebels is way before that. I was going to say, doesn't um, Rebels take place in between three and four? Kind of uh, building the, Ri- the rise, rise of the resistance. That's that the rise, the attraction, uh, mm. forces of destiny. Is that what it is? Uh, no, those are just those resistance shorts. rising. There, I, there, there's, a, there's another there's another animated series that I really haven't watched. Um, so I I think if it fits within the timeline, um, yeah, it'd be cool to see whether it's those specific characters or just man. I mean, the Mandalorians as a people and, or religious cult or whatever that it, it is becoming as like we're seeing in the Mandalorian that uh, it'd be, it'd be cool to see some of them wandering around. Um, even though they're trying to stay in the shadows that yeah. you just get glimpses here or there. Uh, okay. Do you, so in the cantina, when they, they originally announced this, they said that you'd, you'd run into various bounty hunters, um, do you wish that there were some bounty hunters walking around? Because when I think Mandalorian, I think obviously Boba Fett, the, the OG, the original, original one that we saw. Um, do you think that it'd be cool to kind of see Mandalorians walking around more as bounty hunters or more as just kind of characters similar to what they have now, where they kind of have that that storyline between the the First Order and the Resistance? on where where they fit in a story um i'd love to see an ig unit (laughs) walking around that'd be awesome that'd Um, be crazy in in fact i may go back and watch that episode of the mandalorian where he just yeah i think maybe a little bit of both and I think okay. Seeing them, seeing them in the shadows, but maybe then there's just one, uh, almost kind of mimicking the Mandalorian. Whether it'd be cool, even if even if we just see them fly overhead every once in a while, put those guys, put them on a, put them on a. Uh, a line and shoot them across the buildings or just <laughs> or you could um you could do what they're doing over at marvel land where they have the the audio animatronic puppets that are designed to fly through the air um to mimic like spider-man flying through the air over there you could bring that over to, to galaxy's edge and get some mandalorians flying over overhead I'm in. <laughs> so then some questions for you as a Star Wars fan. Is it what you expected and were you satisfied with the way that they, they kind of tackled Galaxy's Edge? Yeah. Um, I, I tried not to have 
real specific expectations. I think my expectation was immersion, and I think they did a pretty good job of that overall. Um, I mean, besides having a bunch of characters in the street all the time, as opposed to, I mean, because when we went, the land felt kind of empty. Um, and that would have been a perfect opportunity to have a bunch of people that are playing characters wandering around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, like you're actually in this outpost as opposed to um, really feeling like you're at a theme park. And, and I don't... There's there's always going to be that tension there of I'm at a theme park versus I'm in this immersive experience. Um, so I, I'd say overall, yes, it, it it met that expectation. I guess um, was I satisfied? Yeah, I think so. I think after being there for as long as we were, and it's kind of because there's not so much to do. It's a little dissatisfying, um, but it's it's not an area that you can't hang out all day, and it feels like okay, this is old. I I'm done. Um, at least day one, maybe day two. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think move two on. days in a row move probably. Along. You might want to move along a little bit, um, but having been there a couple more times than you have, I think every every time that I go back. I still feel thoroughly entertained for the amount of time that I'm there. I don't really ever feel like I'm bored. And in fact, I find myself wanting to go back into the land periodically throughout the day, um, even after experiencing other attractions and other parts of the park. And so you had mentioned that since this was the biggest expansion in Disney park, that you wanted more than two rides. And when you went, there was actually only one ride, one attraction. And did you feel like that was actually an issue? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, that kind of goes back to what I just was talking about as far as there's the not a whole feeling. lot to do to do and see. So, yeah, the the one ride I got to experience was, was really fun, especially with people that were really into it. Uh, from everything I've heard and you've said, Rise of Resistance is awesome. Um, so having one or two other sort of, I mean, not as huge of rides or just like even just kind of a more of a walkthrough attraction, something, I don't know, something that wasn't like, okay, we got to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to make this work. And if it breaks down, then we're screwed or whatever. Or there's, it's so technical that it's going to take 45 minutes. So yeah. rise the resistance is kind of that way where if it breaks down, it's a minimum of 45 minutes just for a purely system reset, just because of how yeah. complex it is. And that's a, that's a pretty big chunk of the day if it breaks down three or four times. So, yeah. Okay. So it'd be, it'd be more fun if there was more to do. I mean, they, they added a ton of space even at Disneyland. Yeah, I they they did such a good job of cordoning it off from the rest of the park that I think they put more of an emphasis on that than necessarily what you're doing once you're there. Because even coming in from the backside, like we did, felt like we walked quite a ways before like we really got to much where where everything was. That's yeah. true, and and having been back since, I can 
confirm slash ease that kind of sense of emptiness or fill in that sense of emptiness. Um, since Rise of Resistance has opened that part of the park, that resistance area, which is where we walked into and out of most of the time just because it felt so empty and it felt so natural kind of easing into it. Um, that part of the park definitely fills up and it is definitely crowded and it definitely has a lot more going on around there. Um, and so it, it, it makes the land feel kind of less so of, all right, you got like one half of it that is full of people and activity and things. Now it kind of is spread out a lot more and makes it feel like the whole land is far more, far more full and far more um, like there and, and real and actual. And then you had mentioned in your last episode, and this is honestly one of my favorite memories of our theme park excursions, uh, when we went to Harry Potter world, the wizarding world of Harry Potter, that your wife got so emotional that she started tearing up when she was walking into the land did you feel a similar sense of emotion? Did you not feel that sense of emotion? Was it was it exciting? Was it thrilling? Was was Galaxy's Edge emotional for you? Um, I, I think it was. It wasn't nearly as emotional. I mean, it, it, as you as as the way we walked in at that point in the construction of that piece of the park, it really eased you in we're just kind of like oh this kind of feels deserty oh there's some star wars sort of looking things that's cool and then you start seeing more things that are much more immersive like then ray like went running by or something and that was kind of, okay cool yeah um whereas like you walk into harry potter world it is just straight bang you're there there's, right to the point there's really no no transition so um, emotional in the sense of losing control of my emotions no emotional in the sense of oh this is really cool yes all right and then biggest questions of the episode um you had kind of alluded to this before where when we were talking about the falcon you wish that you could kind of experience a little bit of other movies or other parts of the Star Wars universe or other times in the Star Wars universe. Do you wish that they created a Star Wars land or even a Star Wars park that kind of brought things that we've already seen in the movies to life? Or do you like that they made this new planet that hasn't seen before where we get to explore everything and kind of create our own stories? And does it feel Star Wars enough to warrant the new planet? I think it does. Um, I, I think what you kind of, you box yourself into a corner if you use stuff that has already like the story's already been told. So there's there's more flexibility. They've added enough familiar, and I think the clear anchor of that is the Millennium Falcon. Um, right. As far as your familiarity, some of the, some of the things, some of the characters, if R 2s scuttling around, like. Those things feel familiar. I, I think the one thing that is a is a t point for me, the parks is to really feel truly immersed. You have to be familiar with the story, 
And unfortunately, the direction things seem to be going is that unless you're consuming just these vast amounts of books and comics and side stories or whatever, that you're left out of a huge chunk and an enrichment in the story um, that, yes, it feels like Star Wars, but if you read the second Thrawn book and you hear about Batu and Black Spire and you're kind of like, oh, these characters that I know, Darth Vader was here at one point. Thrawn yeah. was here on multiple occasions. Like, Padme was here. Those are things that um, that makes it more fun, but of the tens of thousands of people that visit there, how many of them have actually immersed themselves in that level of fandom or <laughs> like or even had the time to consume that kind of stuff so there's pieces there's pieces that I think it makes it fun if you experience more of it it's fun regardless but it would I, I would like Disney in general to find more of that middle ground of you can wholly enjoy and understand what's going on without experiencing a ton more but you get that little extra kick if there's a little hot sauce on your uh, experience <laughs> so you, you're, you're saying right now <laughs> you're saying right now there's there's too much reliance on kind of the the extra level beyond the films or even beyond the tv shows that disney's kind of holding on to where it kind of takes away the overall experience for those who who haven't consumed all of that content or haven't had the time to consume all of that content. Yeah, and I think that's where you lose the, the immersive experience or the that excitement uh, for those that haven't consumed all that extra media. That they're they're just kind of going in and be like, okay, this is familiar. I see the Millennium Falcon, but. I don't really know what this place is. I don't know what its role is in the whole story. I maybe see some people, characters that I'm familiar with, but I'm not really sure what they're doing here. I don't really um, know who this this Vi character is, why the who this rebel spy is wandering around. Like yeah, I recognize is, Ray and Chewie, but why are they here? Why, why are they here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it just so I it's an interesting approach. I, I think we may see things that bring some more of that to life, um, but it's still enjoyable regardless, I think. All right. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add onto kind of the whole experience of Star Wars Land? Um, is there anything that you wish that, that we predicted that you wish will show up someday or any kind of final thoughts or final words? I mean, other than the Mandalorian jetpack ride? <laughs> um, who needs a gondola? I'll take a jetpack. Um, Disney jetpack lure, not the Skyliner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I would really like to see them add some other sort of experience. Not having not having gone through or ridden Rise of Resistance, I think that's a huge caveat to my whole, whole review and experience of the, of of the 
the park that it there's things there's things that I think are missing for the amount of space and effort they put in uh, but I think it's still I mean if you're if you're a Star Wars fan in the least and you have the opportunity to go like just go because it's a must do it's, it's there are a few other times where you really get to jump into that world. I mean, the only other time I could really compare in terms of Star Wars fandom, not necessarily immersive experience, but like Star Wars Celebration and Star Wars Land very much felt similar in terms of kind of that that fandom excitement. Um, All right. and, And how... How it was just like it's all, all about Star Wars right now, um, which was super fun. So, with that additional experience, are you saying it needs an additional attraction, or would you be satisfied with like another dining location, kind of more similar to the Cantina? But because they had they had originally announced that there was going to be a uh, kind of an upper scale or a higher higher end uh, restaurant inside Galaxy's Edge. Do you wish that they build that? Would you be satisfied with that? Or would it have to be something else to experience as far as like an attraction? No high-end restaurant. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> else is picking up the tab. Um, I, I think so, it, for me, it would have to be something very accessible. Um, so probably something along the lines of an attraction um, that or I mean, I mean that the whole market area is kind of immersive in and of itself. Something maybe similar to that, like maybe a, the, a resistance camp or something that you kind of walk your way through, um, where it's it's kind of it feels like you're a part of the world a little bit more, or you're observing the world a little bit more so than what they did with the the A wing and the X wing and the few little like stands i don't know what those are supposed to be those those are cool but it just feels like what like is this a museum yeah it's kind of what it kind of what it feels like whereas if it was really set up more like okay well we landed here and here's our little camp set up as we're trying to launch our attacks or whatever our raids on black spire and um the the first order so pound or whatever this is a huge this is where it really comes in that you haven't experienced rise of the resistance yet because the first half of that queue is very much so i think what you're looking for as far as where the resistance is set up kind of in this weird in this underground very makeshift type feel where it's almost like hot feely where yeah totally underground totally like in caverns and tons of resistance equipment everywhere and you even experience a little bit of like hey so we're your your new recruits and we're gonna go and meet up with everybody else on this other planet um expire outpost is kind of just that stepping stone to get to where we need to go so you wish there was a little bit more of that outside that wasn't in a queue a little bit more just kind of in the land itself yeah or just another ride (laughs) would you want to would you want to ride a uh, come on <laughs> Would you want to ride a Bonta? Because that yeah, was the other could, ride. If, if, if I could just 
ride one of those around in a circle. Sure. <laughs> a petting zoo. A Bantha petting zoo. There you go. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, thank you for joining me, Tyler. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your quarantine. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to the Unmistakably Magic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. We are at Unmistakably Magic on both. Or head on over to Twitter where we are at Unmistakably Mag. You can find all of our old episodes on YouTube. Just search Unmistakably Magic. And feel free to reach out to us on any of our socials or shoot us an email at unmistakablymagic at gmail.com. You know, I hope that this little bit longer of an episode was entertaining. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope that it brought some kind of normalcy back. And it's always fun to speculate on what could have been. And it's always really fun to, to look at what we predicted and see what we got wrong, what we got right, what we half got right, kind of. Um, and it's really interesting to see what how how a project changes, even from announcement to uh, construction and, and to completion. I don't really think that Galaxy's Edge is complete. If you look at some aerials, there are definitely some spaces for expansion that they left on purpose. Uh, so we might be getting that high-end restaurant in the end. Or... Maybe we might be riding on the back of some Banthas. Banthas? Banthas? I think it's pronounced both of those ways. Uh, but what do you guys think? Do you guys want to see that high-end restaurant? Would you prefer if we got uh, some other kind of attraction? What do you think about the way that they do kind of the foresty uh, rebel or resistance base area? Do you think that they could amp that up a little bit, make it a little bit more active? Or what do you think about the, the characters or the amount of character interaction that you already get in Galaxy's Edge. Is it enough for you? Is it is it not quite there? Do you wish that there were more? Do you wish that there were other characters? I mean, over in Disneyland, when they did the, the 80s night, they brought C-3PO out, and that was awesome. So they, they obviously have the capacity to bring out some other characters, but I don't know. We'll we'll see if that, if that follows suit, or if that, that kind of is a special one-time thing, or... A limited run thing. Um, but what would you guys like to see? Do you want to see BB-8 rolling around? Do you want to see C-3PO walking around greeting guests? Or are you content with Chewbacca and Rey and the First Order? Or, yeah, the First Order Stormtroopers and Kylo Ren or the First Order uh, Lieutenants? Let me know. Shoot us an email or reach out on any of the socials. Let's have a conversation. But... That just about wraps it up this week. I hope you have a magical week, and I'll see you real soon.